So my name is Kiara, and I'm uh, one of your campus leaders. I'm a campus leader for this campus, but there are two more at another campus. Three of us in total. Um, and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. All right, that's my plan. Let me pray, and then uh, keep leaning into what God is doing. Call me here. You are coming in close, in power, and in fire, and in love, all at the same time. Just such a paradox. How do power and love go together? How are you both soothing water and fire? I'll get it, and I'm grateful. We need both, obviously. So thank you, God, for coming in close in the way that you are. Holy Spirit, you've already been speaking to your people. Keep speaking to us. Share what I will never have words to share. Make clear what my mouth might make muddy. And Lord, ignite your people for your name's sake. We're sheep, and you are our shepherd. We acknowledge you as so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been doing a whole series uh, called Family on Mission, and um, people have preached different parts of the series. Um, last week, John was talking about how the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You need your nose to smell. If you have COVID, if you have it, you know that you need your nose to smell. <laughs> okay. Everything still tastes weird for me, but you know. Healing God. That's for it. Anyway, so the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. All the body parts need each other. Um, and that's what John was talking about last week. And he gave this beautiful illustration of our brother in, of our brother in Christ, Brother Brown, is his name. Um, and just the impact that he made on his preschool students and how we need that. We need each person to be operating in the things that God has given them. So I get to come behind that and share um, some more about spiritual gifts and to give some clarity uh, about how these work in a practical sense, which is so good. I know that as a church, we talk about spiritual gifts, but usually in a training kind of format. We don't ever really get to talk about them on a Sunday morning, like breaking them down. So today is one of the days that we get to do this. I'm sure they've done this before. Today is one of the days that I get to share that with you, so I'm super excited about it. All right, let's read together um, first, and then we'll keep going. Um, so the, the passage that I'm coming from is Romans 6 through 8. I'm going to read it to you, but we'll probably read this a couple different times, um, and I hope it makes more sense each time I read it, or you read it, you know, whatever. Alright, can you stand to honor the word? Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our service, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes and generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That's it. You can sit down. <laughs> See? I didn't have you standing for that long. Got that good. This is not your full workout for today. Sorry. <laughs> so if you want to go to the gym, that didn't count. It was only a 
three verses. All right, so this is Paul talking Romans. This is Paul talking. Um, but starting in verse six is a little bit confusing. It starts right on the part that I'm preaching on. Starts right on the explanation of the gifts and what they are. And I felt like it would make more sense if I, I went back and explained a little bit about how the book is working and how we got to this one. Um, so watch this Bible project video. This is studying about Romans. Bible project is wonderful. They yes. make stuff make sense so easily. So you know, I'm not doing anything fancy. YouTube it. All right. The he was the guy who was in the Bible project. Uh, video was explaining how the Roman church was a mixed church. It was part Gentile and part Jewish. So there were all these new Gentile believers who had come to the faith and all these Jewish believers who had heard the word of Jesus and come together and they made up the church. Then the leader of Rome at the time felt threatened by the Jews and so he exiled the Jews for five years. But the Roman church continued. So then there was five years of the church being made up of predominantly Gentile believers. Then the exile was lifted and the Jews were allowed to come back into the church. But now the church has taken on lots and lots of Gentile customs because there have been like no Jewish people there for the last five years. So the Jews come in and they're like, what y'all in here doing? <laughs> this is not how we left this place. They're like, um... You're not following the laws as according to um, the Old Testament, as according to the Torah, as according to um, all the precepts you've been given. You must be circumcised. And the Gentiles are like, no, 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 we're free in Christ. You don't have to follow these traditions in the same way. And it created all this infighting in the church because there are these two sets of believers that come from different backgrounds who are now being put together as a family, and they're trying to figure out how to work together in this. And so Paul is getting word of the division and dissension that's happening in the Roman church, and he decides to write them a letter. This is the letter that he writes to them. Paul's hope um, was that the Roman church could start to be an example so that he could keep going up to Spain, so that people who were learning about Jesus in Spain could come to Rome and learn about Jesus and learn how the church works. So he's like, y'all got to get it together, because if y'all get it together, then the gospel can keep expanding. People can come here and receive from what you have and take it out. I feel like that's going to be good later on. Okay. Hold it in my heart. So that's why he's like, y'all got to get together and figure out how to be a family. Because this is not just, this is not just for you. This is, this is for the sake of the gospel spreading. Okay? All right, so that's what's happening. So uh, when I was reading this and I was studying through it, somewhere when I was learning how to study the Bible, um, they told me that if you read the Bible and you ever see, like, therefore or because, then you know the sentence didn't start there. If somebody walks to you and says, Therefore, have a good day. You would be like, what, what were, were you saying something before now? Therefore what? You know? So when you read the Bible and you see therefore, because, blah, 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 you should keep going back until they stop saying therefore. And then you know this is the beginning of the thought. So I did that. I went back to the beginning of the chapter, which started with therefore. So then I kept going up. And there were more, less you be wise. Well, less is another point back. So I kept going up, kept going up. And it finally stopped. In, verse, in chapter 10. So I ended up reading all through chapter 10 and all through chapter 11 and then into 12 because I felt like that was a complete thought as described by the authors. So in chapter 10, Paul is explaining this message of salvation to the Jewish and Gentile believers in Rome. Essentially, chapter 10 and 11 are this. The Lord wanted y'all to be a whole family. 
He picked the, the Jews first to be the first people to carry his presence, to carry his glory. They are the oak of God. I think that's what it calls it. They are the tree, right? Mm -hmm. um, because of their disobedience, those branches got broken off. And it made room for you, the Gentile, you the Gentiles. So now you guys have been grafted in to this tree and now are a part of the family of God because of the Jews' disobedience. But God's heart in breaking off those branches and in grafting you in was not so that the branches would just stay on the ground. The goal was that the Jews would become jealous and come back like, I want to be in the tree too. How come they getting all the benefits that you promised us? And you say, you're right. Come be in the tree. And they would say, okay, thank you. Like, that was the goal. So he's acknowledging to the Jews, this is your original inheritance. This, this whole kingdom was for you. Come back and receive it. But also to the Gentiles, this is now yours too. He, he calls them like a wild olive branch that's been grafted into a tree. Does anybody plant stuff? Anybody? Okay, I'm so sorry to tell you. Our pet Travis died. I don't know. If yeah, man, listen. We were trying to keep a home plant alive with a man. And now looking back, that might not have been the best decision because palm trees don't really grow here. Um, but we mourn the death of Travis, our only houseplant. So now we try to um, try to you know raise some more plants. Hopefully they live, but I don't know. But I wonder if I had known anything about the grafting, could I have saved Travis? If I could have taken a healthy branch and put it somewhere where there's other health, could I have saved Travis? I don't know. I threw him in the trash. He's dead. But man, <laughs> if I knew how to do that, then I would have been able to save Travis, and I would have been able to like enrich other plants at the same time. Like, it would have been like double, double blessing, double fullness in this moment. But I didn't, so the trash received trash. That was not the intention. <laughs> that was not the intention of the Lord. Because of the sin of Israel, his intention was not that the Jews would just fall away and be in the trash forever, nor that the Gentiles would have to look upon Israel's salvation and have no savior. His intention was that both families would come together whole earth will become the family of God. His intention was that the entire world would be the kingdom, he would be their God, and they would be his people. This is just the strategy of how he's doing it. Okay? So we're getting closer to chapter 12. So to the Jews, a lot of the book he's saying, accept your brothers and sisters, receive them. They are just as much Abraham's seed as, as you are. They have just as much of the spirit of God as you do. Receive your brothers and sisters. But to the Gentiles, so funny. I'm going to paraphrase, but just a little bit. He essentially told them, don't get a big head. Don't feel like, one of the translations really does say that. Uh, the NLT says, don't get big head. And I love how practical that is. Don't do it. You don't think that because you've been grafted in, you are now somebody more special than your brothers and sisters. And don't think that if God didn't spread the original branches, that he will not also cut off the engrafted branches. And it says so that he is both kind and severe. Kind in the sense that their jealousy allowed, of their sin allowed you to come in. But severe in the sense that he broke them off. He's fully just but fully kind. This is the dichotomy of God that we're seeing here. So he's telling these Gentile believers, yes, what you're hearing from the Lord is true, that you have received all this freedom, but don't get big-headed. Don't let it make you ostracize your brothers and sisters because it will cut you off too. Yeah. And it's hard for them to be, to be brought in just as you were brought in. 
Is this making sense so far? Okay. So that is all the precursor to where we are now in the scripture. So I'm going to read perfect. Thank you, Rashad. It's up there. All right. So here it is. It says, for the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you are. Don't get big headed. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with, member, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's in serving, then serve. If it's in teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So we're going to get into what the gifts are. But before Paul starts to explain how to use your gifts, he puts it in a context that makes sense. You are for the family of God. You are put into this tribe and into this tree for the family of God. And you need your brothers and sisters. That's why John came first to say the hand can't say to the foot, we don't need you. The eye can't say to the hands, I don't need you. Because the point of these giftings is for the sake of the family, not for the sake of your head getting bigger. We don't even have a pass for that. <laughs> All right. So now let me get into a little bit what these gifts are. Okay. What we got next? Okay, perfect. Can you go back one? One more. All right. So this part here. It says, the Lord here is talking about the grace that God has given us. Having different gifts that, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let's use them. So first, you were grafted into the family for the family's sake and for his sake. Secondly, you were given gifts according to the grace given to us. So here, grace, grace means supernatural empowerment. It means Holy Spirit empowerment to do what you could not do in the natural. So you may have, like, natural things that you're good at, but this is not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the supernatural ability of God connecting with your natural ability and transforming it into something new that you couldn't do before. So he's saying here, where is it? It's the thing I just read. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to you, let's use it. So as I was looking at this, I was like, what, what does this mean, Lord? Does this mean that we, we receive supernatural empowerment from you and we do what we're called to do because of that? And I think that's true. But I think that that also means that everything that we receive from the Lord, we grow in and measure. Hmm. I think that makes sense to me because the next one he says, if you prophesy, do it in portion to your faith, right? So we believe that you fully received all of God when you said yes to Jesus. You didn't get like one sense of the Holy Spirit and you got to buy more stock and then you get more Holy Spirit. It's not like that. You receive the full access to the whole kingdom of God the moment that you said yes to Jesus. You will be my Lord and I will be your 
right? But how come we don't always walk in the fullness of everything? Or how come I believe more in God now than when I first started? I trust him more now. I take more risks now in the spirit. Why do I do that stuff? Because my faith has grown. When I first met him, I believed that he was good, but I didn't, I didn't know that like, he was good like he was good. You know, I didn't know he was that good. And I didn't know he was that trustworthy. So I believe, I believe that you should be my Lord, but it hasn't fully transferred into full submission in my life. So I say yes to you, God. Yes, you be my Lord. But I still have some sins that I hold on to. I still have some idols that I worship in secret because this makes it comfortable, this is safe for me. All those different things because I haven't learned to trust you yet. But as we keep walking with God, our faith grows in who he is and those things fall away more and more. We lay our idols down, we lay our sins down, we press forward. That's what he says at the beginning of this. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and pleasing. He's saying that as you keep growing in this knowledge of who he is and the revelation of his spirit, you believe in him. Same with your gifts. Your gifts grow over time. Yeah, go back. So your gifts grow over time. I feel like I'm learning with the slides. What's going to next? That's not good. All right. Just bear with me in that. So your gifts grow over time, which is so good, because that means you can keep receiving more of God. And that means you can keep pouring out more of God. So this, according to the grace that's given to you, is the supernatural empowerment of God. Not that he's withholding the empowerment, but as you grow with him, you grow in your capacity to receive his empowerment. Like we were praying today that the Lord would open up doors, that the Lord would open us up to receive more of him. It's that same kind of thing. We're receiving more and more of what's been given to us. Okay? Y'all, this making sense so far? Okay? Great. Let's keep going. So we know that our gifts grow according to the grace that we've received, our supernatural empowerment from the Lord. Here are the explanations of the gifts. Can you go next? I feel like. Okay, yes. So here's some of the practical stuff. Um, Christians, or at least Christians in the same vein that we believe, have thoughts like this about gifts. There are three different types of gifts. There are leadership gifts or fivefold gifts. There's some debate about how the gifts function. Does everybody have a fivefold gift? Do some people only have fivefold gifts? That's not the point right now. I'm just about to tell you what they are. That's not this sermon. Maybe the next sermon. That's not this. But I'm just going to tell you what they are. Fivefold gifts. The body describes these as the gifts you are to the body. Behold, I have given you prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. They're gifts that you are. They're not things that you have. They're gifts that you are. And you can see that in your brothers and sisters who've been identified as apostles or pastors. They're such a gift to us. I think about the moments when Steve is just worshiping. And we, we think of him as a, a prophet, like as a functioning prophet. So he's worshiping the, the Lord in service, and it shifts the way we worship. When he starts spinning, I be like, Lord, you're really doing something right now. Maybe I should be lifting my hands, too. It shifts those things, and that's how prophets function. They, they push the body forward more and more towards the Lord. So you are the gift of the Lord. Um, five gifts, okay? Next one. John talks about this last week, manifestation gifts. I describe to go back, go back. I describe them as the gifts you surrender to in a moment. So these are like, um, when he was talking about healing the sick and raising the dead, I don't, I don't really walk around raising the dead like very often. I don't like seek out dead people to raise. Maybe I should. I'm just not at that point in my journey with the Lord. So I'm not like seeking out dead people. I don't also like being around dead people like this. Okay. 
to say PR, this is what we're doing, then I would surrender to that in that moment and he would empower me to do it. Lots and lots of gifts are like that. They're not ones that we operate in every single day or all the time. There are some that might be more frequent or more common to you, but these are gifts that you surrender to at any moment. And you can have any of these. I think these are the ones that the Lord says, if you lack them, just ask. Because this is about surrender. It's not about titles, it's not about any of these. The manifestation gifts are fully about surrender. You say yes, then amen. Okay? That's the one we're talking about today. These are the ones I'm talking about today. These are the ones that we describe in this passage. So these, um, we talked about what the title, Joel and I wrestled about what to call them. The title on my Bible says Gifts of Grace, so we're going to call them Gifts of Grace. I don't know if that's the official title, but just, just go with my ears. All right. The Gifts of Grace. These are gifts you have. The ones that you are, one, are gifts you surrender to. These are gifts you have. They help you function in the body. Okay? <clears throat> Can you go to the next slide? One more slide. Okay, go back this way. One more time. So maybe I'll put these in a better order this time. One more time. All right, great. So 1 Peter 4.11, we kind of connected 1 Peter 4.11 to what's happening in Romans 12. And Peter, he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So Peter is describing similar gifts here, but he only gives two categories. Speaking, if you speak, and serving, if you serve. Let's go back to the one in Romans. In Romans, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to you, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who acts of mercy and do it cheerfully. So if you go to the list, I'll show you how they were broken down. Go. Perfect. So, mixing those two scriptures together, we put them into two different categories. You have your speaking gifts and your serving gifts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. Thank y'all for the feedback. It's so helpful. Alright. So, speaking gifts, we think those are obviously important to this list. And I don't think this is an exhaustive list. But this is the list that, that Romans 12 has. So we think they're prophecy, teaching, and exhortation. And serving gifts, we think they're serving, giving, mercy, and leadership. I guess it makes sense for serving to be under serving gifts. <laughs> Alright, so let me explain these gifts to you and give you some examples. This is, this is my favorite part because I love to just be able to honor people. Alright, so prophecy. Prophecy, according to the scripture, is in relationship to your faith. So if you prophesy, it's in relationship to what you believe God is saying and how much you believe that God is saying. Mm -hmm. Prophecy, in this sense, is connected to what you believe God is doing right now. So when it's talking about this specific speaking gift, not the function of a prophet, the one you are, but using your gift, it's what is God saying right now? What is he saying to the body? What is he saying to you? What is he saying to the nations, the generations? It's that part. We see that played out in our brothers and sisters who prophesy. If you know Tim Hannes, anybody know Tim Hannes? If you know Tim Hannes, Tim, I think, uses this speaking gift pretty often. So he'll come to you and say, hey, this is what God is doing for you in your life, in our body's life right now. And you say, okay. Or whatever happens. You see from the Lord or you don't. But that's how that functions. It's in asking 
What are you saying now, God? So that's one of the gifts you can have. Next one is serving. These people have, um, not serving, we'll go to serving, I'll go back and forth. The next one on the serving list is serving. This has lots of layers. This could be hospitality gifts. This could be um, like just a general serving other people gift. Um, not specifically connected to hospitality, but just serving other people. These are people, if you have this gift, you like being behind the scenes a little bit. You don't want a lot of credit, but you're generally doing a lot of the work. To me, I think Mr. Henry has a serving gift. Mm-hmm. One day, we were doing worship, and I looked outside, and it was like snow, snow, snow. And Mr. Henry is out there just shoveling the snow. Nobody else is out there. He's shoveling all the snow from the rest of the yard. And then he came in and was like, what else can I do? Sir, did you not just freeze your fingers out there? Go sit down. So that's that's enough. That was my heart. But you, I feel like you have this serving gift. And so it just comes naturally from who you are. Even today, when I when I pulled up, the campus leader, all the signs were out, the chairs were already being set up. I was like, Lord, bless this man in his service. Those are people who have serving gifts. Can you think of somebody in your mind who's like this? Good. Bless them. All right, next one. I'll come back over to the other one. Next on the speaking gifts list. This is teaching. The teaching gifts are people who give the details of the scripture. They explain to us what is the word saying. But what is is the word saying? Let's come back to what the Bible is saying. These are people when all the spontaneous prayers are coming up, they have a scripture. They're like, here's what the Bible is saying. Um, I think... Christine Scott has lots of gifts, but I think this is one of them. Mm-hmm. When she's teaching, it, it, it makes sense. And there's a clarity with what she teaches that helps you understand what's, what's going on, what he's saying. Does that make sense? Can you think of somebody who has a gift? Might be you that you're thinking of. I bless that if you're thinking of yourself. All right. The next one um, I'll talk about is exhortation. I feel like, this ain't what the Bible says, but I feel like these people are spiritual hypers. I feel like they have been supernaturally empowered by the Spirit to motivate and press you into all that God has for you. I feel like my husband has a gift. I feel like I have this gift. I, I love giving people compliments. But not just like idle compliments, like, oh, your hair is so cute, though. I like doing that one, too. But I want to see you move into everything. So sometimes you'll see when I preach that I have this gift. Because by the end, I want everybody to feel like, yes, we should go and serve the Lord. Like, that's what I hope that they're roars of cheering and then we'll run out into the street from the building and then we'll go get lunch. That is, that's, the, that's the education gift. Get into the body, to push the body into who they are, to encourage them into who they are. And there are other, um, there are other translations that say encouragement, but I think exhortation is better a better way to describe it than encouragement because it's more than just saying nice things. And sometimes it's not always uplifting. Like sometimes, like not negative, not bad, but like sometimes it's like a hard push that's like, you are better than this. Get yourself up and be who God has called you to be. That's not always encouraging in the same way, but I think that's part of how that gift functions. Make sense? Great. Giving. The giving gift, these are people who are supernaturally empowered to give. These are not people who are just philanthropists by, by trade. That's not what this is. We, we call all of these supernatural empowerments. So these are people who are empowered by the Spirit to give whatever they have. I think the woman in Scripture who gave those two pennies 
while everybody else is giving all these astronomical amounts of money, she gave all that she had, even though it was two pennies. I felt like that was this gift at work, mm -hmm. supernatural empowerment to give. I see, uh, I see some of my brothers and sisters that have this. I think about um, Caroline and Jake. There, okay, let me just put it out there. Um, Carol, if y'all know Caroline and Jake, they got this little Honda Fit, right? And um, I think that they love this car, but I have seen so many of my brothers and sisters not have a car, not have transportation, and Carolyn and Jake be like, here, use my car. What do you need? How can I take you around? How can I help you? Here's my resources. And it's not just that. I see other people who are constantly inviting people to their house. Gary, inviting you over to eat all the time, giving him what he has, supernatural empowerment to give by the Spirit. And it is finances, too. I won't put the people on bus who give their finances because they're really behind the scenes, but that is part of this. It's not about having a lot of wealth. It's about, God, I surrender what I have to you for the good of the body. So that's the gift of giving. It's a supernatural empowerment from God to be generous and usually a behind-the-scenes gift. Leadership. I skipped mercy. I'll come back to mercy. Leadership. Leadership is the empowerment of the spirit to lead. People who have a leadership gift generally don't even ask for leadership. They are usually just living their lives, and people flock around them and say, what should we be doing? Where should we go? Where can we put our hands? And they lead people. That's because it's supernatural empowerment, and it's different. The kingdom is different than how the world does leadership. It's not about asking for a title and complaining because you didn't get a raise and complaining because you didn't get the thing. It's the spirit of God making room for you to do this and bringing people to you to do this. So the leadership gift helps the body, and the scripture says that if you lead, take the responsibility seriously. Consider those who you're following and honor them well. Don't think that what God has given you is just like a throwaway thing. If he's giving you the gift of leadership, lead. Last one is mercy. This, for me personally, this one does not come easily. But I definitely married a man that has a mercy gift. And I also think Michael Huster has a mercy gift and the gift of encouragement. Both of you guys. Both of those things for you. Um, mercy is the mercy gift. People who have this gift are considering what are the people that nobody are seeing, that nobody's seeing, how are they feeling? What are they experiencing? How do we connect to them? Supernatural empowerment to be gracious to people, to extend the mercy of God. There have been so many moments where I've been listening to music by a rapper or somebody, and the album won't go well. Like, you know, sometimes you have an album that's just not good. All your albums can't be great. So I've been listening to a, an artist's rap, and it won't be good. And then I'll just be like, I, I need this anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm done with you. And Devontae will be like, well, it's okay. Like, they had a bad album. It's, they, this is a good rapper. They'll come back. And so we'll, we'll, he'll try again, he'll try again. He does this with other people, too. When people start struggling a lot, like I'm trying to help you and you're still struggling, I'm like, I, somebody else got to help you. I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm done. Come back to me when you're ready to be helped because I can't do nothing with this. Devontae, gracious. Come on. Come on back. I believe in you. I still think that God is going to save you. You're forgiven. And you're forgiven again. And you're forgiven again. You need the supernatural power of the Spirit to forgive that many times. Like the people who have the mercy gift do. Because it is his grace to do that, to forgive and to extend mercy where people don't deserve it. So that's the mercy gift. Do all of those gifts feel more clear?
right, so I want to go back to the main point of this, because the point of this is not just so that you can learn what all the gifts are. Though, I think it's important for you to learn the gifts. But the point of us talking to you about these gifts is because you have them. These aren't special for me or for Devante or any of the people that I've named. You have these gifts. And we actually believe that most people have at least one of each. You probably have one speaking gift and one serving gift, if not more than one. A lot of people have a few speaking gifts and a few serving gifts. And if so, the purpose, like we were talking about earlier, is not just so that you can get the big head and believe that you're so wonderful, but it's, the, it's for the sake of the family. It's for the sake of those that God has given um, his spirit to, to be empowered, which is you, which is me, which is us. So if you listen to this list, think about what God has given you and think about how you can use what's in your hands. Well, I love what I'm seeing here at the campus. Because we don't have that many people, I have seen people serve in ways that maybe they would have never been able to serve. Nakia has, like, healed the coffee ministry. <laughs> if you have ever liked the coffee here, it is because Nakia has come in and put everything together and given leadership to different people, and this is where the cups go, and this is where the water should go, and put the water here. She might even start adding lemon soon. I don't know. <laughs> but I just feel like, thank the Lord for you beginning to use your gifts, probably a leadership gift, but thank the Lord for you beginning to use your gifts for the sake of the body. Now we get to taste coffee that doesn't suck. Thank the Lord, you know? <laughs> Same for other gifts. Down here, because we're small, it makes room for the body to start using the gifts. And that was the point of God, of Paul talking to the Romans, getting them together, because eventually they would expand to, into Spain. And the mission would go to Spain, and he would pray they would be activated. And they would be activated in their gifts so that the mission would come to North America, so that the mission would come to Aliquippa. Do you see the point of this? Okay, so the point is not that leadership would just sit in a hierarchy at the top, but the point is that the Spirit of God would activate you. And that's what he was doing earlier today in worship. He was activating you with his Spirit by his love for the sake of the body. So now we have the responsibility to say to the Lord, okay, yes, I want to be activated in this. Activate me in this. If you choose to say that to the Lord, then the next thing I think you should do is put your hands somewhere and figure out what your gifts are. Joyce Meyer said she figured out that she liked to preach because she tried everything else and she hated it. <laughs> I was like, well, that makes sense. She said she worked with the kids and struggled. She said she set up the ministries and stuff would be falling over. She was like, it was bad. That's how she figured out that she had a gift for preaching. Same thing here. If you want to get to have a certain gift, come help Mr. Henry put out the signs. If you keep knocking the sign over, and our sign gets broken, you probably don't have that gift. And that's all right. We'll find other place for you. You know what I'm saying? We'll find some places. You think you have, I don't know, the gift of mercy? Go find people who need mercy. And share the mercy of God with them. And you might find that these relationships start to grow and you see people healed and come to the Lord. Or you might find that you get super frustrated. Probably don't have that gift. That, means don't, that doesn't mean don't be merciful. Okay? You call to be merciful. But that also might mean you not, might not have the gift of mercy. That's okay. It's okay if you don't have the gift of mercy. You still be merciful. All for all of these things. Now, for prophecy, teaching, and exhortation, this one can feel hard to walk in because the way we think about church is you need a platform, you need a space, you need a mic, and then you can express the gift of teaching. And then you can give your prophetic word. And then you can exhort the people. 
church was at Lydia's house, first of all, it was at a river. There are no mics in the river. That's uh, not safe. You're going to get electrocuted. Okay? So that was the first church. Then the next one was at Lydia's house. Also, no, there's no mics at my house. There was no mics at Lydia's house. But the gift of teaching is being activated. The gift of prophecy is being activated. You don't need a platform to do this. However, I think if you surrender, sometimes God will give you a platform. There's, there's, a, there's a hand in hand, but the point's not a platform. The point is the expansion of the body. Because if you, if you move for the platform, you'll be disappointed. It's a really bad Lord. Don't serve the platform. However, if God is giving you a sphere of influence, teach your sphere of influence. Exhort your sphere of influence. Prophesy to your sphere of influence. If God is giving people to lead, even if it's small children and it's three of them, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, lead your children well. If you're a friend, if God is giving that gift, be a friend well. That's what he's saying to them. For the sake of the body, the point is that you would serve everything that you have well. So the last thing, um, the last slide, and then I'm all done. I'll go sit down. Somebody else will come say something. Keep on. That was the point from earlier. Grace, roll with faith. Use what you have for love's sake. As I explained earlier, the reason that he was talking to the Romans was that his heart is that the table of God will be completely full. That there will be no empty chairs. And he's telling, yeah, maybe. He's telling the Romans, he's telling the Jews and the Gentiles, don't feel like there's not enough room at the table. Don't feel like you have to use your gifts in some big way to feel validated because there's enough room at the table. Allow your gifts to make room for other people. Allow your gifts to make room for your brothers and sisters for the sake of love because somebody did that for you. Somebody came to you and said, I have this Jesus who is full of love and compassion. Can I share him with you? He has enough room for another kid. He has enough room for another son. There's enough room at the table. So I pray that you be activated in your gifts, but not just so you can be activated, but for the sake of love, that others might come sit at the table too. And that you would be fulfilled. There is something fulfilling in walking in fully what God has given you. It feels like, oh, this is what I was made for. And I want that for you. And I think he wants that for you. So I don't have really much more to say than that. I just want to pray that he would activate you for the sake of love. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Holy Spirit, you've already started doing this earlier today. But I pray that you would activate us for the sake of love. If there's any parts of us that feel like there's not enough room in the table for us because nobody has noticed us or nobody has started to affirm this gift, Lord, I affirm what you're doing right now in your people. I affirm every word that you've spoken over your people and I say yes to it in Jesus' name. And I say that it's good and I call it forth, Lord. I pray you activate your people to do what you've assigned them to do in every place where they go, in their workplaces, in their houses, with their friends their jobs, their schools, everywhere. Activate your people to be your hands and feet. And just, just like Paul was doing here, Lord, knit us together. Don't let us feel like we can do this without our brother and sister. That we're so wonderful or so low that we don't need our brother and sister. Lord, knit us together in unity. I pray, Lord, for your supernatural empowerment to come and help us do what we can't do. Yes. You're calling sons and daughters to the table, God. And I pray that we would be the ones to pull out their chair. Say, come sit by me. 
I got room in my spot at the table. Come sit by me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.